Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show here on this Monday on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Full show today right up until 7 o'clock. No Red Sox baseball. Sox win the series over the weekend against the Orioles. And let's talk a little baseball and deviate from the Patriots disaster. And joining us now is Rob Bradford, WEEI in Boston, covers the Red Sox. We hear him a lot now hosting the Red Sox pregame show on this station. And he's also the host of the Bradfo Show podcast. Rob, thanks for being with us. How are you? Who would have ever thought the Red Sox would be a good distraction from the Patriots? I mean, <laughs> really, it's unbelievable. I mean, not only that, but you have a Red Sox distraction, which is a team wallowing in last place. This is where we are landing with Boston sports right now. Crazy times at this point. Hey, earlier today, a little while ago, we played some of the comments from Matt Strom about the shift and about the pitch clock from your podcast, and he showed – some real frustration about the rule changes and the, the process which imposed them. Do you think his sentiment is shared by most players, or is he in the minority? I believe it or not, I think he's probably in the majority. And, and he, how I know that is because the players are the ones who voted it down. The players are actually, the majority of players didn't want to implement the, the way the MLB wanted to do it. I think that was strong frustration. It's is uh, they don't want to be told what to do. I mean, and, and listen, I mean, Brady, I, I, I like rule changes. I think they're a good thing. But these players have always not wanted to be told what to do, especially when it comes to the pitch clock. And so when the, the, the commissioner implements this, uh, and it, they, they're like, wait a second, the majority of the players said we didn't want to do it. Well, you've got a loophole here about how you had this collection of people who can – passed it, even though the majority didn't. It's like the Electoral College all over again, right? So that was his frustration. Um, and, and I think this does, and that frustration also, you hear your, it's also, I think that it goes back to the, sort of the butting in the head across the board with so many things with the commissioner. I mean, Strom talks about, in the podcast, he talks about how he, he's never met uh, Manfred and he understands that some guys met him, but he hasn't met him, and he hasn't met enough guys. Well, I can say this, Brady, that that when Manford went around spring training and met with every team, he did pick guys on every team, and most of those guys came away saying, "Hey, you know what? I like you know I like Ron Manford a lot better." The problem is, as as Strom points out, that was just a small collection of guys. He has to get this message and this likability across across a, a more, many many more players. You know. I- I am in the camp that offense has gotten too hard and that pitching has gotten too good. So I I am in favor of restricting the shift. Do you think it was a necessary move? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I think so. But I I saw Thaddeus Ward, the Red Sox minor leaguer, tweet this out. And at the heart of it, I agreed with what he said. And what he said was, okay, we're going to reward the hitters for not being able to take advantage of something that we're giving them, which has been true for how many years now, right, since they've been shifting, which is you're screaming and yelling. You're saying they're giving you the whole left side of the field, bunt, place the ball there, do something, and nobody would do it. That that was never going to change. And so knowing that was never going to change, yeah, I do feel like because this 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 has gone this way with when it comes to the shifts, you know, I think that there was no turning back. That you had to do something, and that's what they're doing. 
What I'm anxious to see is how creative they get. Yeah. Like I've heard things like, you know, putting a guy in motion, almost like, you know, a football team. And, and, you know, when, and when the pitch is made all of a sudden, now you're like on the move to get the guy to the other side of the diamond. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting how this plays out. And the other part about this is like, there's going to be adjustments. There are, it's going to be, how many adjustments, what the adjustments are going to look like, and also maybe most importantly, how much they're going to actually implement it. Because that's one thing MLB doesn't do a good job of when they do make a rule change, they do not do a good job of sticking by it. I'm not. I, I do not want to see a guy in motion, but what I'm waiting for to see is do teams just start playing essentially with two outfielders, and they'll bring in one outfielder, play short right field, and then they'll play right center fielder and left center fielder, or they'll just play right field and center field, and they'll vacate left field altogether. That's what I'm wondering if teams will do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all in play, right? We don't really know how it's looking, and we have some creative people, the same creative people who implemented these shifts and have all the analytics. I mean, some of the, how this thing has, has morphed over the last years is kind of crazy. And I, I think I saw the Mookie Bet stat where back in 2016, he was being shifted on like 2% of the time. And now he's being shifted on over 60% of the time. I mean, that's, it's nuts. So yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting, but Bray, I do want, I, I really mean it when I say, I want to see, how they're going to enforce it. Because think about this. Think about how they enforce the sticky stuff, right? When they first started enforcing that last year, oh, my goodness, they were getting strip searches after every half inning. Now, by the end of the year, they were basically doing that. It was like that meme of the security guard at the <laughs> football game. You know, just barely acknowledging this, not checking, maybe checking the hand like for a second. That's how this works with MLB and MLB umpires. A lot of times the rules are changed. Rob Bradford, WEI in Boston with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We were talking about this earlier also. The extra inning ghost runner rule was, was designed to make games go quicker. With the pitch clock coming in now, already accomplishing that, do you think the ghost runner rule goes away or starts later in the game, like in the 12th inning or something? It's a good point. I mean, I don't, I, but I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're playing for the tie when it comes to time of game. In other words, you know, I think that if they can do the ghost runner and do this and feel like you're still shaving off time. Uh, I think they'll probably do it. I personally like it. And the reason that I like it, I like all of it. Because it's, to me, sure, time of game is important. But I don't think you're going to tell a 25-year-old, hey, listen, come to the game today because it's two hours and 45 minutes instead of three hours and 10 minutes. That's not going to do it. It's about pace. Like, and, and we've cited this many, many times. We had Mutt and I had Carl Radovich on, and I think he put it perfectly when he said, the game needs more urgency. Urgency. Yeah. That's the key word here. And I think that's what the X-Rating rule does. I think that obviously is what the pitch clock does. You had an interesting Brad Foe Show podcast with a, uh, a a pretty transparent J.D. Martinez. He's a free agent at the end of the year. What do you think his ultimate future is? That's a great question. I mean, you know, he talked in the podcast about how he's 
understanding of what he has to change and stuff. But he called his nervous system. I'm like, when he started throwing around nervous system <laughs> stuff, I'm like, hey, listen, you lost me. I failed, failed biology. But it's, it's, but what he was saying was that he, and he said this, he's like, I, w- I wish I played the outfield more because it's taking me longer to get going. I'm stepping into the batter's box. I'm having a hard time getting my nervous system going, getting everything going at an older age. So he said, he talked about how he's going to make adjustments in that respect. That's all well and good, and it might work. The problem is, is that what's done is done in this year. And I asked him, do you think there'll be qualifying offer? And he said, well, that's a hard question. Well, here's the answer. I severely doubt they'll give him a qualifying offer. So I, I think that and, – and he's not really in a spot where we're going to have an Adrian Beltre pillow contract either because he's 35 years old. This is going to be a good test for Scott Boris. You can make the case for a lot of reasons why J.D. Martinez is good for a team, especially now you have the D.A. across the board. But the power numbers going down, that's a huge, huge red flag for a guy at a position that you desperately need power numbers from. The Kike Hernandez move is being universally praised, but from my vantage point, it has a lot of tentacles to it. So, like, what do you think it means? Does it mean that Kike is the starting center fielder next year and you've got an outfield kind of devoid of power again with Kike and Verdugo? Does it mean that Kike plays second base and Trevor Story goes to shortstop and Xander Bogarts is just gone? Like, what do you think the Kike signing means? You know, I wish I had a definitive answer for that. Like, I would like to think that they signed him because you said, he, you know, we want – you, we want next-level defense in the outfield. We're going to put him at the bottom of the order, and he's going to be good enough there. We're going to get a better version of him. We're going to get a guy who's past this injury problem that he, he didn't even know he had um, until he finally got it diagnosed and he feels a lot better. You know, So that's all right. Like For me, that's fine. For one year, $10 million. Like, uh, if you're doing this because you think that you're going to have leverage, what, like this, much like they value Trevor Story. He's leveraged for Bogart. So don't give me leverage. Just say, this is our center fielder. I don't want to see like him. I don't want to see Trevor Story move over to shortstop is what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I think that with TK, he's, he's a good fit. I do think they need guys like him, like the, the 30-somethings, who are, 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 are guys who are going to be the right influence and be secure himself in the clubhouse. This is what they need. But you still have to go out, as you point out. You have to find home runs. You have to find the next Hunter Renfro. You have to find, you know, and, and most importantly, you have to keep Trevor Story at second. I, I just think that that's El Mas. I, I said this yesterday, and I really, really mean it, Brady, is that I think it's tough to allocate a lot of money to a few guys in baseball. You don't run isolations for outfielders. At the same time, I have no problem at all in saying, here, here's an enormous chunk of our payroll. Trevor Story to Xander Bogart for Raphael Devers and build around it from there. Just do it. Rob Bradford, WEEI in Boston, Red Sox pregame show, host uh, a bunch of days a week, and also the Bradfoe Show podcast. Sox back at it again tomorrow against the Yankees. Bradfoe, we appreciate it, and uh, we'll do it again. Awesome. I really appreciate it anytime.